My name is Tony Battalene, Chief Executive of Australian Grape and Wine. Today, I'm talking to the CEO of Vine Health Australia, Inka Lee. Welcome, Inka. It's great to chat to you about biosecurity. Thanks, Tony. It's a pleasure to be here. Biosecurity is a pretty common word now, isn't it? Thanks to coronavirus, we've all heard of it. It's a topic we should all know a lot more about. What do you think we've learned from COVID that we can apply to the grape and wine industries? Yeah, Tony, look, I think um, the COVID experience has really highlighted to all of us how easily and quickly diseases can spread through our communities and cause a, a massive impact on, on businesses and, and our lives. And we've all experienced shutdown. We've all seen it. We've seen closed borders. We've seen businesses close. We've seen schools close. And we've actually seen some pretty hard restrictions um, on what we can do personally, where we can go and, and how long for even. So I think what we've, we've reflected on is um, the similarity between COVID and also a significant pest outbreak in the wine industry. And, and if we were unfortunate to have a significant outbreak in our industry, we would also see shutdown of sites. We would also see very severe restrictions on the movements of grapes and, and juice um, and the routes that they travel. Uh, we would see the quarantining of, of machinery and equipment, more regulations. And ultimately, uh, you know, what we, what we don't want to see is, is the loss of our unique vine material and, and brand damage. So for us, we, we reflect on COVID um, and, and we really uh, believe that it, it's time that we need to get serious about biosecurity and invest in it. Um, and I think hopefully you've, you've heard of the terminology. It's been fairly commonly bandied about during COVID and, and that's the term biosecurity bubble. And that's being used to describe things such as the AFL um, sports hub up in Queensland. It's been used to describe many hotels uh, and also quarantine zones. We really think that the wine industry should adopt this philosophy uh, when they think about the zones where common cleaning and disinfestation need to occur. And in vintage, which we are at the moment, uh, there's a lot of movement of machinery equipment uh, across borders, uh, whether they be state, regions and between properties. So that concept of biosecurity bubble is really one that we want the, the wine industry to think about and adopt into their practices. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, biosecurity shouldn't need a reminder like COVID. We should all be aware of it. It should be front and centre of what we're thinking. And it's the thing that scares me the most of anything else because it's out of our control. There are things we can do to mitigate it, but at the end of the day, it's a high risk. So I think it's great that we can start looking at the lessons from COVID. So what's a good example of a biosecurity bubble in the wine industry? Um, I think there's various levels that we could define biosecurity bubble. And if we go back to the, the, the really the definition of biosecurity bubble is where you need to have similar cleaning and disinfestation uh, measures in place. So really in the wine industry, that could be at your property. Uh, and that would mean that all machinery and equipment that is it's really cleaned before it enters into your property. Um, that safe footwear and clothing is always worn by people entering into your property. But if you are a larger wine company, you might want to consider your biosecurity uh, as all the vineyards that you own within a region. And in some parts of Australia and in some wine regions, that biosecurity bubble might be the entire GI or the entire wine region. And, and that's really particularly, I guess, where you have many small vineyards and those vineyards do share equipment, uh, people um, across, across their properties. So... A biosecurity bubble is as big as you make it. And obviously pests and diseases, they have a point where they come from and then they expand. So what if you have a pest or disease issue in a block? What does that mean for your biosecurity bubble? 
it becomes smaller effectively. Um, you really are then zoning down to where you have that pest or disease on your property. So that might mean that it's down to the block level uh, or potentially even down to a row level. Say, for example, if you have viruses, you may know the vines uh, or an area of a block uh, that has virus. And it's then very important how you manage machinery and equipment, people, uh, and cleaning in and out of those that smaller biosecurity bubble zone. I guess um, biosecurity is all about risk um, and, and really it's about uh, vineyard owners looking at the risk levels um, and we see the farm gate or the property level um, as being one of the absolute keys to mitigating that risk for, for biosecurity threats. Yeah, you're right. It's all about risk. And look, the word that keeps coming through to me is that you've mentioned cleaning a lot. Um, is that something that we should be doing more of in our sector? Yes, uh, yes and yes, we do need to do uh, far more of it and we need to insist that when visitors come onto a vineyard or a property that they, their machinery, their vehicles, their equipment are clean. They come clean and then they leave clean. And so what the vineyard property owner needs to be very, very clear about is what are their expectations regarding cleaning and disinfestation activities before something arrives, whether it's a person or a piece of machinery or equipment arise on your property? What do they expect? But I think equally as important, um, and it's often, we often have these conversations with, with growers and contractors, that if we are to adopt this principle of clean in and clean out, once a harvest, say a harvester has come onto your property, it's harvested, you must be able to provide uh, facilities for that machine to be cleaned down on your property beforehand. So you really need to take stock of your property do you have water pressure? Do you have hard pads that you can actually wash down a, a machine and provide those facilities before it does leave your property? So clearly there's a lot of planning that needs to take place here and you need to have your systems in place. Uh, one of the things I've been very impressed of in the work of Vine Health Australia in the past has been those fantastic uh, videos and work you did for tourists coming in. Mm -hmm. so, so what else should grape growers though be doing on the ground? Uh, there's many things, but a, a couple of the top things is, is really they've got to communicate. They've got to understand how they can protect their vineyards at the farm gate level. What are the key things that they can do? And they need to talk to their staff. They need to talk to their contractors, talk to the winemakers that come on their property, talk to their suppliers. Some really simple activities such as controlling the movement of people around your property, putting up signage, uh, providing parking spaces so that people can park well away from your vines. These are all really simple measures that help to maintain um, some sort of distance between uh, potentially infected material um, and your vines. And one of, one of the other key biosecurity activities that may not commonly be thought of as a biosecurity activity is your planting material. So when you plant a vineyard, you, you're investing for a long time. It, it's not something that you're going to pull out in five years' time. It's not an annual crop. It's, it's a long-term investment. And what we're really encouraging growers to do is make sure they plant with disease-free material. You need to, when you put in an order at a nursery or from a vine improvement, is you need to check the health status of that material that you're receiving. You need to ask, what's the virus testing results? You know, what is the status of this material? And the other thing that we really encourage growers to, to not do is plant material from an unknown origin or of an unknown health status, because that really is setting up your vineyard for, for issues in the future. And just to add to that, we also know that you don't just 
pick a vine from somewhere because you don't know what it is, but it might be the different variety as well. And you've got legal obligations as a grower to know what your variety is. And we've all seen the problems caused with the Albarino Sauvignon. And so it's not just about biosecurity, though that's imperative. So there's a heck of a lot of reasons to make sure you get product that you know exactly what it is, who it's from, and go to someone reputable. Don't yeah, just... I, yeah. I, I, look, I couldn't agree more, um, uh, Tony. There's, there's been many occasions that we've been called out to a vineyard with uh, growers very concerned about the health of their young vineyards. So we've been out to vineyards as, as young as four years old. Um, and... Uh, on on testing it's showing multiple viruses in that material and that's a that's a fair, fairly hefty loss for a, for a grower with a four-year-old vineyard that's coming into full production um, to then have to consider with virus right throughout the property um, to actually pull that out and start again the cost of that the loss of continuity is just extraordinary yeah and the impact on the quality of the fruit that's another big one and those vines if you leave them alone You've got the virus and they might be like South Africa where every 20 years you're replacing your yep. vines. Yes. And, and Yeah. And look, the, the other thing that we're really keen to get across to growers is we know that they're in their vineyards um, regularly during the season. They're spraying, they're looking out for things such as powdery and downy and botrytis, all the common um, diseases that we think of that could impact uh, quality and production during a season. But we're also... Um, keen for them to look out for those unusual things, things that they haven't seen before. And, and if they do see something, don't just drive past it. Um, take a sample, call in a, someone that can actually help them identify what it is. Um, because the sooner we can get onto something, if there is an issue, the sooner that we can contain it and, and eradicate or control. Yeah, absolutely. And look, speaking of those pests, I mean, one of the things that really scares me is fruit fly. It's a growing issue in the wine industry. It's all about the logistical impacts not the damage it physically causes. So um, I know it keeps you awake at night and most of your weekends are now busy trying to manage fruit flow. So what's the situation currently in South Australia with those fruit fly outbreaks? Yeah, we, we do have uh, quite large active fruit fly outbreaks in the Riverland and metropolitan um, Adelaide area. And that is of both uh, Queensland fruit fly and Mediterranean fruit fly. And because wine grapes are considered a host uh, for fruit fly, uh, we are caught up in the there were the movement requirements that are put in place. And as, as you mentioned, um, Tony, it, it really is a logistical issue for our industry, um, but we need to take it seriously because we are trying to do the right thing and the, and, and the responsible thing to also support a much larger horticulture industry in South Australia um, and to protect their market access into international markets when they do um, send their fruit out. So, Wine grape growers, wineries, transporters that are all moving fruit in and out of um, those hot zones, as we call them, in the Riverland and in metropolitan Adelaide, do need to comply with specific um, movement conditions. Um, paperwork needs to be filled out. Um, and, and it is really important that as an industry, we support the horticulture sector uh, in getting fruit fly under control. Um, we do work very closely with PERSA and we, through our register, we identify all those vineyard owners that are in outbreak or suspension zones and we try and really actively get information out to them because it, it can be confusing um, and we recognise vintage is, is, is busy and they're concentrating on getting their, their fruit to the winery in the best optimal condition. So everything that we do, we pr produce some biosecurity bulletins that outlines it. We've got information on our website, um, but we we really encourage any growers or wineries or, or contractors that are 
caught up in it, um, really clarify what they need to do and, and, and give us or Pusa a call with that if they do need some assistance. Yeah, thanks. And pr probably the most overused word coming out of COVID was pivot, but the second most overused phrase was we're all in this together. But that's the truth with biosecurity, isn't it? I mean, we're only as good as our weakest link and it's everyone's responsibility. So we all have to step up and understand that this an outbreak could mean the end of you as a grower individually and as the industry as a whole. Yeah, it, it is that collective shared responsibility for biosecurity that is is absolutely key. You, you can have your vineyard uh, completely biosecure. You could be following all the, the best practice protocols that we recommend. Yet if your neighbour or the person in the region next to you um, doesn't follow some very basic protocols, um, it is putting themselves, the region, the state and the national wine industry at risk. So there is that shared responsibility and it's, it's everyone... Um, almost poking each other, saying, you know, what, what are you doing? What, what can we do collectively to improve it in the region, in our area, in our state? And, and we really need to, I think we need to challenge each other. We need to challenge the status quo to make that happen. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing that we, we all have to look at what other people do and do it right and do it better and remind people all the time. So I guess we've talked about fruit fly, but what are the other major nasties that we've got to be concerned about? Uh, there are a few. Um, one that is always high on our radar is phylloxera. Um, it's already here in Australia. Uh, we have uh, management zones uh, around the current infested areas, uh, but it could very, very easily spread to other um, states and other regions if we are not vigilant. And we are terribly exposed to phylloxera um, in South Australia, and I think it's probably representative across the country. Approximately 70% of the hectares are planted on own roots own roots are susceptible to phylloxera attacks. So we have high exposure. Um, there is no cure for phylloxera. Once you get it, you are going to watch your vines decline over a period of time, to, depending on other environmental conditions, and you will need to replant on um, uh, grafted material. And phylloxera is spread, you know, vine material, machinery, equipment, people, footwear. And as, as an industry, we collectively need to do far more in terms of how we manage this at a, at a national level. And, and what's driving me is that we, we are seeing further detections of phylloxera outside our current infested zones, and, and that is of concern, and it should be of concern to the Australian wine industry, and, and we need to work collectively to make sure it does not spread further. So that is, that is one of the key threats that is out there. The, the other um, threat... And this threat is actually Australia's number one plant pest um, uh, concern, and it's called xylella. And, and many of the growers in the, in the industry may know that better as uh, Pierce's disease. Um, it's been in California for quite some time now. And there's been some modelling around Pierce's disease um, and, and what that impact would look like on the Australian wine industry. And it is estimated at around 7.9 billion over a 50-year period. And, and we do know in California that it's up towards $100 million of um, yearly losses to the grape industry. So it's a particularly uh, rapid decline of your vines within a year. So at least with phylloxera, you have some time, you, you know, you can, uh, yeah, there is a process with phylloxera, but xylella, if we do get the bacterium and then we get an appropriate vector, uh, either it comes in or we have a native vector that can transfer that bacterium to other grapevines, we are looking at very rapid and sharp decline of our, our vineyard assets. Yeah, it had a pretty devastating impacts both in Europe and California, I know. Um, I guess 
finally, Inka, I mean, I, I'm actually would just like to say this is totally unscripted if anyone's listening to this um the job that vine health do is absolutely fantastic for australia as a whole particularly south australia uh, but if people want to know more about biosecurity what should they do give us a call uh, visit our website we have some great um uh, freely available fact sheets uh, we've got maps we've got vintage toolkits we've got a lot of things about responsible visitation of tourists to sell the doors on our website so Check out our website, vinehealth.com.au. We are here to take uh, calls um, at any time from industry. The number is 82730550. And really, if if you are looking to improve what you do on your property, give us a call. We've got lots of resources, lots of advice, lots of time to share with growers and wineries about how collectively we can all work together. Because as you said before, Tony, it's not one person doing this well, uh, it needs to be the industry as a, as a united force. Thanks, Inka. And look, biosecurity is not an option. It's an essential part of your business. So um, every, it's up to everyone to keep going. And Inka, keep up the good work. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk again next time.